Well, welcome everybody to today's CIT Tech for Business podcast. Today we're sitting down with Todd and Kyle and we're talking about all things physical security. Why don't you guys kick it off by introducing yourself and telling us just a little bit about the history of physical security first SMBs. Hi, thanks Kelsey. Uh, my name is Kyle Letter. I'm the president and CEO at CIT. And I am Todd Sorg. I am CIT's chief operations officer and I am also the chief information security officer. Um, I can do a real brief overview of physical security and then Kyle can kind of expand on it. So physical security has been around for decades. Um, it's really what you've expected to be. Obviously, there's many different layers of physical security that have gone on throughout the years. So if you're looking at the traditional things and you'll see this in a lot of traditional businesses, but it was fencing, it was how did you do landscaping, what does the lighting look like, cameras on buildings, etc. Um, and then things have just kind of been evolving as of late. So as you can start to see upticks in cybersecurity issues, you're starting to see physical security be a component of what's needed in today's modern defense as well. Yeah, I think that, you know, speaks to it. I think we're all familiar with, uh, you know, your key locks, your key codes, your your um, different ways to to protect the perimeter physically around the side of it. Um, and definitely a lot of modernization around that has been sorely needed because unfortunately people, nobody criticizes it until they need it or there's failure of it. And then they wonder how they ever got to that place. But, uh, you know, so I think it's very topical to speak through it given the state of events last few weeks out of it within schools, but obviously other buildings, there's just a lot of it. It is, uh, I think an under, serviced area that people take for granted or neglect um, just kind of out of sight out of mind yeah agreed uh, just kind of giving some more history i know traditionally the way that the tools have been deployed have been really for that physical security it was really protecting the the main things that organizations need people assets that type of thing uh, i used to work in a manufacturing facility and, and the way that everything was was heavily intruder was basically where the majority of physical security were focused. We did have some things that came into play. So, you know, obviously we did have cab uh, cameras in place and whatnot. Uh, I, I kind of wanted to dig into this one in particular. I laugh because if you've been in any kind of business for quite a while, you've probably dealt with what I did. So my, my security system there was very disparate, right? So alarms are separate from the cameras, which is separate from badging, which is separate from so on and so forth. Uh, my camera systems tried several of them, really struggled with a lot of them. They're, they're clunky they're not intuitive a lot of times the backups don't work the the, the recordings are, are muddled when you go back and trying to find something in particular that can be difficult um kyle what have you seen in the industry yeah kind of same i think you usually see very antiquated technology driving many of the legacy, legacy systems they have either um very old or near end of life operating systems in the backside that drive these things they tend to be uh, outside the scope of a traditional IT support, they're usually handled by maintenance, and then they're they present you know potentially cybersecurity risks because of that, because they're generally outside of the management side of it, and they tend to be supported by uh, um, a security company again that isn't necessarily IT focused, um, so they tend to be just mismanaged and under served on multiple level sides on it, and the, and the technology just leaves a lot to be desired. Um, like you said, Todd, my experience looking at it is when when you needed a, a video 
they would go pull the video. Not only is it painful and time consuming to find the footage you're trying to find if there is some suspected incident, um, takes forever to find. And then when you get it, it's usually so grainy and poorly, um, poorly viewable that you can't use it anyway. You know, so you just went through all this expense and set up and all these systems only to find out that you really could use it anyway. And, um, you know, so that's kind of to, to my point where it just feels like it's out of sight, out of mind for many organizations when you start looking at it. It was a checkbox at some point where maintenance guys said we need a camera system. They went and found something um, tends to be price point first and feature function is just not viewed and they just take it on a price basis and they put it in and hope they don't need to use it. Um, and that's uh, that that's just not an acceptable way to handle your physical security. There should be some. It's got it, it requires usability. Yeah, I, I love the checklist comment. I, I if you've heard any of the podcast previously, we talk about compliance an awful lot. So where you see strong physical security tend to be in those organizations where they have some sort of compliance already. So that'd be your banking. That'll be some of the healthcare. Um, one of the industries that's incredibly good traditionally with physical security is schools. However, we saw some some issues last week that that would prove that that's probably not nearly as strong as it could be. Um, one of the things I kind of wanted to go through briefly is there are some things that organizations that may be renting space as well will kind of lean towards the, the landlord saying, hey, you're the one that needs to make sure that the landscaping's in place, is there fen fencing in place, those kinds of things. And then of course, you still have some things that you need to do to make sure that you work within their restrictions as well cameras can i put them wherever i want so on and so forth so that that does create some potential issues as well um kind of going back to schools in particular we do a fair amount of reviews of, of banks and schools and, and whatnot and for the most part i would sit most part excuse me for the most part i would say that most of the schools are in a very strong spot right as things went into lockdown through COVID, you probably saw this across industry as a lot of physical security did take a tick up, but they do a very nice job for the most part of trying to make sure that they funnel kids through the front door. They do have a whole bunch of people that are locking down doors. You do have to come in, you do have to validate who you are, check in, et cetera, et cetera. So there is a lot of stuff in there. However, since there's such a large group of individuals that are coming and going on a regular basis, it's really hard to, ensure that the, the tools are in place. And of course, everybody knows schools have budget issues. It's very difficult to get everything that you need all the time. And a lot of those are the human component of it as well. Yeah, I think that's uh, that that's very appropriate. You just deal with so many, the schools have very good security from what you go through. It's just as you get to the backside, there's just an advancement technology that they could benefit from that would provide, you know, different taking it beyond just the perimeter doors and having sensors and other, you know, solid cameras in the schools and having accessibility to law enforcement on other sides outside the ability to easily share footage with with public safety. Um, you know, when I know we're going to bring it up, we haven't necessarily always promoted a lot of manufacturers, but we use Bercadas when we use side of it and one of the great features of this. It's a cloud-based solution. It does allow for the ability to easily share a link to live cameras with outside entities. Um, and 
in the case of, of a school where you have an incident occurring within the school, the ability of law enforcement to have eyes in the school live to be able to see would allow for a proper assessment of, of what exactly is going on. And they don't have to have to guess. Um, they could have live footage available to them easily. You know, and when, you know, school, my guess is most schools, you know, the camera systems are behind the doors of the school. <laughs> so that very limited visibility into it. So there's just some some nice, powerful use cases of, of why this updated technology makes a lot of sense. Yeah, so touching on that, some of the things that we've seen over the last several years is this again, no surprise if you're if you're in the industry and technology in any case, manner, form, in fact, your daily lives. 4K is a thing, right? So 4K cameras are a thing. If you're looking for that in specific areas, whether that's entrances or your parking lot, uh, for example, at CIT, we've got a 4K camera facing the main entrance to our building so we can pick up license plates if we needed to. And again, if we had a scenario where we wanted to share that kind of feedback to somebody, the police, for example, we could absolutely do that and we can timestamp it and quickly scroll to it, et cetera, et cetera. So that type of technology has ramped up dramatically. Kyle touched on sensors as another area where we've seen a dramatic improvement. Um, Kyle mentioned Verkata. I, I want to kind of expand on it just a little bit as well. It's kind of weird for me to kind of say there is a disruption in physical security, but honestly, I, I feel like they've really done a nice job. They haven't looked at physical security as disparate components. It's not an alarm system that goes to whomever, ADT, alarm.com, whoever the case may be. I guess that's actually the same company, but you hit my point. So that doesn't go separate. And then you got your camera separate. Then you got your sensor separate. You have your badging separate. They kind of looked at it as a, a complete thing. In fact, one of the fewer things that they just recently did, as you kind of mentioned with um, the schools in particular, is they, they're starting to get into remote locks and system lockdown and alarming and wireless alarming and all kinds of stuff. So they're kind of taking a full view of the, the world and saying, what does physical security look like? I don't know if we need to summarize a lot of those pieces, but since I'm talking, I'll just keep going for a little bit. So where they really focused on and where we were really paying attention to it was the camera system, right? We've got the high-end cameras. They're new. Um, they're up to date. The storage of it is all cloud-based. So there is, there's a local component of it too. So that part is really not problematic. They do have badge access, which was really nice if you're looking at the integrations that go with it. So you can, you can, use a specific badge access and tie that back to a camera. So as I mentioned, the timestamps are there so I can look and see that that is the individual and I can go look at that camera, potentially get a picture of somebody if I needed to. I could see if tailgating's going on as an example. Um, and then it goes a lot further too. So we can get into sensors and what does sensor data look like? And can I go to a bathroom again towards schools and see if somebody was triggering a vape sensor in the bathroom, we can see who came and went and potentially narrow down the list of potential people we needed to talk to as an example. Yeah, I mean, there's just the modern systems that you see, you know, and it, like the ricotta size introduces, you know, um, artificial intelligence into the side of it. It has facial recognition. It brings all these technologies together. It's IT focused. It leverages the power of the cloud side of it for, for accessibility. That's really what makes it, I think, a disruptor side to it. You know, the, the physical, the old traditional physical approach of just we're going to put a DVR in a room somewhere. We're going to just feed a bunch of data to it and just hope nothing happens to it. And Todd mentioned backups. I mean, that's just just not functional. Um, 
it just really leads to a lot of headaches for the people and the users who try to access and use it. Um, you know, so it, there's just so much more value into looking at a more and a bigger holistic view of the value of the physical security, the information that it can provide. Um, one of the use cases that came out of, again, out of the pandemic side of it was the heat mapping. You know, being able to load a, having a floor plan of a, of a, of a workplace and being able to understand where are people congregating at and, and it'll actually show you where it's detecting the most people. So you know where people are congregating, where you're having large groups, areas of the building that are being used, areas that are not, you know, so it's just a lot of valuable information above and beyond just the security side of it, just the overall use of the building and, and seeing where where people are being utilized, whether you have congregations of people, if, if you ever want to know if somebody was, if Todd and I were ever together at a side of it within our system, I mean, it can use the facial recognition and then detect where Todd and I were together, you know, so we cross. So it's, it's just a lot of good connection size. They're not the Todd or I are dating or anything, but it's just the, <laughs> just the, just the ability side of it to, to be able to recognize, you know, where, where are things happening? And there's just a lot of valuable use cases to the system far beyond just saying we think that we had a break in at 2 a.m. There's just a lot of other practical applications to it. Yeah, I, I, I kind of wanted to dig into the facial recognition because I do think it's something that is of potential concern for a lot of people. Um, there is a privacy component of it, and, and there are things that if you're looking at tools like Verkata or others, they are trying to solve business needs with it, but um, there is a privacy component of it too. So while it can be a bit pervasive where we're tying individuals to to pictures and doing facial recognitions and seeing when people come and go, there are legitimate reasons to use it too, right? We talked about it in the school scenario, uh, the deny list. If somebody comes in, they're trying to, to check a student out of the school and they're not on the database or they're a deny or they're a person of interest or something along those lines, situations like that, that facial recognition is actually an incredibly powerful a tool set. Um, speaking of which, I kind of wanted to expand on use cases there's a lot of them kyle mentioned several obviously the heat mapping for the pandemic um there are reasons potentially again this is more camera focused but it, it does count there's a, a people flow tool set that they're offering as well and so somebody like retail or potentially hospitality would have the capability of looking at what the flow of people looks like and potentially make changes to what's going on in in that particular organization whether that's how the retail flows and they want to move people through the building differently or whatever the case may be another one that i wanted to mention in particular is theft uh, used to work at an organization that that used to do a lot of storage outside and there was a lot of theft going on the equipment that was external to the building and while there were cameras in places, same struggle, right? It was recorded, but you're scrubbing through data, hoping to find something that moves or ticks. And modern tools have the capability of separating vehicles from people to et cetera. So I have the ability to dig into it specifically, uh, but we deploy a solution like Verkata and it has the ability to stop that theft in its footprints. Uh, they've also talked about how they're, they're starting to work with the alarm company. So again, kind of that integrations with other tool sets where they can potentially react much faster. You can see an event before an alarm goes off or here's another great one. Um, use case where it was triggering an alarm that a back door was being opened or something along those lines. 
use the camera system zip to that particular moment in time see there's nothing going on internal building external there's no intruder so it's probably a false alarm allowed the organization to do a deep dive into it and found out that the wind was causing the warehouse door to to vibrate in and out and that was what was triggering the alarm um, but it's great to have that integration so i can figure that thing out without having to deploy the police yeah there's just it is it is if you've ever used those legacy systems and you move to one of these modern systems to look at it, most people just get huge smiles just because it that the quick ability to be able to just immediately see the information you're trying to look for, get it quick, share it easily, easily accessible, and being able to access that information from remote that you're kind of talking about. I mean, you know, you always run into these issues where it's at 2 a.m. And if you gotta get out of bed. VPN into the office and try to get on the DVR and then try to go through it by, you know, that could take you 20 minutes. If somebody's in the building, they're probably up and gone in 20 minutes before you even told them to get to the police. A lot of companies already calling you, you know, they don't, they don't stay on there. So you got, you only have a few minutes to be able to assess what exactly is going on before you ask for those police to go out. And if they come out frequently, you know, they're going to start charging you for it. So you know, being able to have something that's very quick and easy, something you pull up on your mobile phone that's easy to get to, be able to make an informed decision to say, I'm confident nobody's in the building, and be able to look at it, and, and it, it easily pays for itself. Um, the modern systems are definitely worth more, but the functionality is undeniable. I mean, it's it's a whole nother stratosphere. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I'm sorry, Todd, um, not to interrupt, but I am anyways. Um, I know um, we're talking a lot about sensors. So you mentioned um, vape detectors within school. So what other sensors, you know, might be available out there that, you know, some industries would have some use cases for? Go ahead, Kyle. Oh, heat, temperature you know, water, other particles, other air particles, so early smoke detection, um, those types of things, all environmental sensors, so you can detect a lot of those early motion sides of it. We tend to, you know, the restrooms and schools is typical for the vaping side of it. You can detect vaping or smoking in the school sides with it, but it can go into server rooms and other areas or other temp temp temperature sensitive components in there. So you can have temperature alarms or other air particle changes in the environment that could be occurring to get off of those triggers so there's a lot of a lot of other potential nice uses for it and again if you if you pair it with a camera you now have easy view to say i'm getting it looks like there's potential some smoke or some alarm in this room having a camera in the room you can now put visuals on it too to say okay is there something going on there or you know somebody leave a window open or something else. I mean, you can potentially pick up on something without you having to hop in the car, drive to the remote site, and take a look and see what's going on. Yeah, the kind of expanding on sensors a little bit, there's there's obviously humidity. So heat humidity, that would be good stuff for like your server rooms if they are secluded and, and segregated and, and secured. Hey, physical security, who would have known? Um, but it also has, um, I believe it's got a noise one as well. So manufacturing, it can get extremely loud on the manufacturing floor. And there are some requirements that organizations do need to be able to comply with in those situations as well. And so some sensors will help with those things as in addition to. Um, 
one of the things that's really popping up more frequently as you see more and more sensor data come into organizations is the ability to pull all that data and make sense out of it. Just getting an alert that says server room and I'll use CIT, the Woodbury office in that particular server room is high. There may be some additional things that I would want to look at in, in potentially a desktop or a dashboard. And so there, there are a lot of tools out there that are coming along and starting to help you visualize what that sensor data means and whether there's trending that goes with it and that type of thing. So you will know, did it spike? Did the AC unit die? Whatever the case may be. And of course, as you see smart buildings come along, that's a big thing that's going with it as well. Yeah, yeah absolutely. One interesting use case that came out with the modern side was getting back into that uh, the ability to share a uh, link to a camera with an outside entity or a person side of it was within a manufacturer side of that. And they were a contract manufacturer and they're they wanted to use the cameras for their physical security, but also be able to have cameras by the product areas where are the on the floor where their products being manufactured and allow the the company that's contracting them to be able to visualize and see the product being made you know, to use that as a differentiator in the market. So it's just a real unique use case of, again, using the cameras for security, but it also then added some additional value for their for their customers to be able to have visuals and something easy to see that was just done through a web browser. And they can just have that live link for it. So it, there's just a lot of cool uh, things that just always keep kind of popping up because of the unique capabilities of the product. That's cool to have an ROI on, on one of your physical. Uh, yeah investment. Yeah. Uh, so one, one of the things I guess we should probably talk about too is is the securing of a tool set, especially since we're talking so heavily about a cloud-based tool that we use in particular. Um, what does that typically look like from your experience? On the on the access to the tools yep. themselves side of it, you know, since it is cloud-based, I mean, we, we obviously apply the same security structure that we do to any of our other cloud system sides of it. It has a multi-factor, it's federated side of it. So we have single sign-on and multi-factor to access those sides. We have, you know, we have logging of who accessed. There's tons of permission levels um, to be managed by group assignment as far as allowing people to certain functions within it. So they can allow them just a certain set of cameras or all cameras or location sides with it. Same thing with the security. So there's a lot of granular components to it to make sure that the product has security of access, which obviously is very important. Yeah, yeah, expanding on it briefly, we do integrate it with a lot of the other tools that we already have, like Kyle mentioned. For us, that makes sure that what we are doing as our, our core infrastructure and security tools are all mapping all the way through the tool set. So it is very robust. Um, and I'm sure several people saw there was an issue last year with Ricotta in particular, and, and at least worthy of discussing is they found an issue, they addressed it quickly, their communication was strong. And, and because it is a cloud tool set, it really allowed them to quickly pivot and resolve issues that are out there. So that typical cloud, all of those things that you get from cloud environments directly applied to a physical security tool set as well. And, and again, the, the ability for them to address those issues and, and get on top of it was very impressive from my point of view and still going strong. Yeah, I think kind of the, the last part on the cloud subject side, Todd, and you mentioned it briefly about having some local storage for these things is the unique nature that the storage is actually in the cameras. 
themselves. So you're when you're viewing, when you actively go into viewing session, you're going straight to the camera. So the amount of bandwidth that it uses to go to the cloud is actually minimal because you're basically sending thumbnails, small subsets of the visible so you can understand what's there. Unless you choose to archive to the cloud, which you can do, um, you know, it's using very limited bandwidth. It's just small thumbnails. And when you actively view, then you're using a live stream to that one camera you're viewing. So it's not actively constantly drawing a large amount of bandwidth, which I think is a, just a, a very nice design structure to it. You're segmenting out your storage by by camera basis side with it. And there may be certain cameras you want longer term storage with, and you can elect to do that as well. You can have certain cameras with larger storage and you can have longer retention and or obviously you can still archive to the cloud at certain sites too. So they, they really have a well thought out structure to how the handle going to the cloud because as I mentioned, these are 4K cameras. That could be a lot of bandwidth if you were not using some kind of local storage. Yeah, so so just closing thoughts from my part or from my point of view is I feel like there is disruption going on in the industry. It is not something that should just be taken lightly. Uh, the nice thing about the modern tools is they can be deployed as needed. So if you needed cameras, you can start with cameras. If you need badging, you can start with badging. If you want to do guest sign-on, you can do all of those things as sub-components. Or if you know you've got things that you need to complete, of course, the tool is capable of joining all of those items together and will really give you a nice unified solution. Uh, the other nice thing about the cloud is that new features come early and often. It's quick for them to be able to deploy them and, and offer them to the customers as they see things transitioning, which is pretty awesome as well. Yeah, and in physical security, that's pretty much been unheard of. You know, you just put it in there and 10 years later, you may look at it again. <laughs> so it again, tend to go unnoticed until they're needed. But knowing that you have something that's constantly evolving and updating is, uh, I think, incredibly important. Awesome. Thank you, Todd. Thank you, Kyle. I think that's a lot to chew on. I know there's a lot of features that just happened in there. So do know that we're always here for any and all questions. You can reach us via email at info at cit-net.com. Also, we do have a lovely form fill out on our website, and you can find all of our podcast episodes at cit-net.com backslash podcast. These guys love to talk, and I know today we went a little bit heavy into Vercado, but only because we use it and we love it. We do have a demo coming up on June 9th free. We're not asking you to give us anything, but it is a really cool tool set. I love geeking out and seeing the dashboard of just all of the really cool things it can do. So by all means, go Google it, hit us up via email. We're always willing to chat and we will look forward to chatting with everybody next week. Thank you all.